the Citizen's Guide to the Supernormal. And now for a segment we like to call This Week in Small Penis News. Jordan? <clears throat> I guess uh, I wouldn't say this is small penis news. It's a rather large... Well, you'll hear. So, uh, you guys like Christmas lights, right? Dude, I fucking love Christmas lights. Who doesn't? I like Christmas lights. I think oh, yeah. uh, when I was a kid, you know, 10 years ago, whatever, I would have really enjoyed Christmas lights a ten lot more. 10 years ago plus 10. If I had my own apartment and uh, was staying at a house in Reading, England, where I could have created a large phallic light display. Like a big dick made out of lights? It's actually a cock and balls, yeah. No, it's... It, it's, a, it's a full cock and balls? It's a giant wang. Can you send us a picture? Yeah, it's it's in the Twitter. It's in the like the. I don't think you can post that on Twitter. That is one big fucking dick. It's uh. And I, when it, they turn on it the light in the window above it, it, it looks like the dick is coming, coming light. Yeah, right, isn't it? And it's pretty funny. So, um, it actually the, this dick is so big that it actually spans an entire second story of this house. It's pretty pretty incredible. No, it's it's impressive for those of you who can't see this penis. It is fucking glorious. So the uh, the large light display. Appeared it's like Florida, but on a house. On the front of the home, <laughs> believed to be erected by a group of students living in the house. I see what you did there. I see what you did there, too. <clears throat> Stephen, Stephen Bailey Todd, um, of 53, who lives nearby, was in complete disbelief when he spotted it while out on a walk. Stephen <clears throat> Bailey Todd, did you say? Yeah, Bailey Todd. Yeah, he's a hyphenated. So his, his middle name. name is his last name? It's no, it's a hyphenated. Bailey. His Bailey middle name talk. is a last name. He's got a first name, a middle name, that's a last name, and then a first name as a last. No, name. No, 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 no. So he's he's hyphenated. Like when he got married, he took his wife's last name. I don't that, think that's how that works. I mean, it could. You don't know. They're Maybe progressive over there. He just likes Baileys. They did so, that in Saving Silverman. That's a fact. Stephen stated it was quite a shock. To be honest, when you walk home, you don't expect to come face to face with an enormous penis on a wall. You don't expect a what face to face. Come. Okay. <laughs> he came face to face with a penis. The lights were flashing, and it is so in your face, you cannot help staring at it. I was just all disbelief. over your face. You know, like a pearl necklace. What is going sorts. on in England right now with all these penises? I don't. Last year, I mean, uh, last week was low hanging fruit. This week, it's a giant cock of light. A thousand points of cock lights is what that is. It's You know what it is? It's an honor. There, uh, it's an homage to uh, President George Herbert Walker Bush. Rest in peace, forty-first president. So the display is up a only a short walk away from Reading University. Um, somebody wants the university to kick these guys out. I think they should get creative points for. I mean, I mean, if they're if they're um, biology students, then they should get extra points for biology for for correctly showing a cock. A perfect anatomy. You know, though, this is if they had like a light up urethra that was maybe a different color than the outline of the penis, I think they should. I think the amazing thing is it's like it's not even educating their neighbors. It's cock and balls. It is a cock and balls. balls. It's very much a pair of balls as well. I mean, they they put lights on palm trees. I mean, you know what a palm tree looks like in the dark with a light on it? Exactly. It looks like a giant fucking cock. Yeah. There's a lot of things. So maybe it was just a palm tree. It was well. No, this is on the side of a wall. It was on the is, side of a building. Oh. I mean, this is. I mean, this right. like like I said, okay. it spans a whole second floor. It's like a two Mo- story. The motive, the motive was clear. Oh yeah, no, two it, stories. I, I think that's a, dick. a band, isn't it? Two story cock. Yeah. yeah. 
It I mean, should be if it's not already. It's a good band name. I feel like I feel like somebody should get on that. Yeah. Twitterverse. Somebody out there create a band called Two Story Cock. Anyway, that's uh, that's what I got this week in penis news. Oh, very educational. And Thank that you. has been this week in penis news. All right. Welcome back to the Citizen's Guide to the Supernormal. <laughs> this is a podcast dedicated to small penis news and the weird, unexplained, and all things sticky, stupid, and uncomfortable, like a comforter at a pay-by-the-hour hotel. Oh. <laughs> My name is Saj. With me is Maynard, and joining us again tonight is our dedicated producer, Jordan. Hey, we're all on Twitter. I'm at Bastard Prophet. Maynard is at Maynard Rules, and Jordan is at CG Super Jordan. You can follow the show at C underscore G underscore Supernormal, because we're extra like that. If you would like to contact the show and tell us how fucking cool we are, or give us some show ideas, you can email us at citizensguidepodcast at gmail.com. I hate to interrupt uh, one second. God damn it. We've already got. We've already got a show idea. He didn't submit it through the proper channel, so uh, he DM'd it on Twitter, and that like one of the proper. Didn't you just see? It, it, Sliding right into no, your DMs. That's all right, yeah, he right? slid into your DMs, and he didn't even send you a picture of nudes. Wow. Citizens Guide Podcast at Gmail dot com. If you want to submit a show idea, I'm gonna. I'm or still gonna you can DM C underscore G underscore Supernormal. I don't. I don't care. It's not my account anyway. And uh, we're hosted by Branded Sports at thebrandedsports.com, which just dropped a big announcement. Harry Mays, hero and fucking legend in Philadelphia, is now going to be a part of our network, so we're very excited about that. Uh, You can find Branded Sports at thebrandedsports.com. You can also get exclusive Citizen's Guide t-shirts there. They're only $20, and the profits go to support the show and the website. You can also follow Branded Sports on Twitter at branded sports, branded underscore sports.com, excuse me. So you can see our very own CEO Joe wearing a not creepy at all two-person sweater. Finally, if you like this episode, please give us a review on iTunes so that other people won't be afraid to touch us. And if you really like the show, you can support us at patreon.com slash Destroyer. Speaking of patrons, we have a few people to thank. It's the same people we thanked last episode, but I'm going to say it differently. Michael H., Crockett, Todd, Kevin, Kimberly, Shannon, Allison, and Michael W., just to be on the safe side because I still don't know if that's your last name. Your (laughs) subscriptions will help us invest in our show because we, believe it or not, are not taking salaries. We are going to be buying some amazing equipment very soon. Please be patient with us. Um, yes. Apparently, Patreon requires a 10-day fucking grace period to give me the money that somebody else gave me. And finally, just on a personal note, I want to thank Darren out there in the Twitterverse. Darren, I really appreciate that kind gift you sent me, and uh, you're a pretty awesome guy, so thank you very much. All right, now that that's out of the way, let's get to the points. Buckle up, gang. Saj has a story. The year was 1927. Charles, huge racist Lindbergh, flies the Spirit of St. Louis across the big water to France in the first non-stop transatlantic flight. This would not be the last time a fan of Adolf Hitler visits the land of wine and surrender. Leo Trotsky is expelled from the Communist Party, paving the way for Joseph the Soviet Magnum P.I. Stalin to do absolutely nothing wrong, according to President Donald Trump. In a downtown Los Angeles, 
The Cecil Hotel opens at 640 South Main Street. The Cecil Hotel is what modern scholars would call a pile of shit with beds you can rent. The Cecil Hotel renamed itself the Stay on Main in 2011, but it's still a pile of steaming dog shit. Saying the Cecil had a checkered past is like saying Mel Gibson had some controversial views about Jewish people. I'm sorry, is it Cecil or Cecil? Who gives a fuck? The Cecil cost a million dollars, which is roughly $14 million in today's money. The hotel was popular in L.A., even while the United States was sucking a whole bowl full of shit during the Great Depression. From 1931 to present day, 16 people had either been murdered, died, or committed suicide at the Cecil, or Cecil, depending on whether you care or not. I mean, it's that's kind of the same rate as the Motel 8 in Braintree, wasn't it, or the Motel 6? I think the big difference is this one wasn't as famous. The Motel 8, oh. I mean. I mean, you'd go to Bickford's, and then uh, you didn't know if you were, you know, getting out alive. If you were going to get some guts, you know, you'd <laughs> go to the Motel. <laughs> <laughs> if you had a great prom. You know? Yeah, you and might you might not live, and that could either be from eating the pancakes or staying at the hotel. Exactly. So where my brain tree folks at? <laughs> brain tree, where it up. So um we're gonna start off with a brief list of the people who have died or killed themselves at the Cecil Hotel. But first, I wanna make something abundantly clear. This show is about Alyssa Lamb. We're not gonna make jokes about the tragic and um early death of this poor woman. However, we're going to make a lot of jokes about this disgusting piece of dog shit hotel, which is located conveniently adjacent to Skid Row, which is probably one of the worst places in America. Great band, though. Great band. 18 in life. I Great remember song. you. Okay, so, on November 19, 1931, Manhattan Beach resident W.K. Norton was found dead in his room after he poisoned himself. That's only... Four years after the hotel even opened? Hotel opened in 1927. This is the first known suicide. Wow. In September of 1932, a maid found Benjamin Dodchick dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. He did not leave a suicide note. Do you think Do you think she walked in and was like, ah, not again? <laughs> I don't think so, because it was the first one. The first gunshot wound. The first guy poisoned himself. This is two in two years. What the fuck? In uh, <laughs> that's true. She's like, God damn it, I don't get paid enough for this. I'm two days from retirement. Um, in July 1934, uh, former Army Sergeant Louis D. Borden, 19, uh, he's 53 years old, he's found dead in his room. He slashed his throat with a razor, and that is fucking commitment to suicide right there. He left a number of notes. He said that he was in poor health, and that's why he did it. In March of 1937, Grace E. Magro jumped from the roof. Her fall was broken by telephone wires, which were wrapped around her body. Um, she, uh, they can't figure out whether she was accidental or on purpose. I'm going to, I'm going to correct you. Okay. Because this is going to be important later on. None of the people who had died here uh, in this list you're going over jumped from the roof. She actually jumped from the ninth story window. Um, you're absolutely right. My mistake. That was actually in my notes. I just fucking jumped the gun. That was my mistake. In January 1938, a Marine named Roy Thompson also jumped from the top floor of the Cecil Hotel, um, and he was found on a neighboring building. It was and just a parkour accident gone wrong. <laughs> Dude, 
these are suicides. Let's not uh, let's not go too crazy with the jokes. No one does parkour. So in 1939, <laughs> um, another veteran, Erwin C. Neblett, 19, uh, he's uh, 39 years old. He was found dead in his room after taking poison. In 1940, Dorothy, I'm not gonna get this name right. Skyger. Skyger. Good yeah. one. Yeah. Dorothy Skyger ingested some poison too. These people really like their fucking poison. I this is just this is crazy that this is all in the same place. I feel like they the took the term pick your poison and ran with it. And yeah. and this is literally within the like the first thirteen years that the place was open. Yeah. Right. It's like, think hey, let's open like, up and become a death trap. Yeah, think of every hotel you've ever lived in. And the thing is what what blows my mind is a lot of these deaths are after the fucking Great Depression. All these 1940s deaths are after the Great Depression. Um, In 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell was 19 years old. She was sharing a room with a shoe salesman whose name is unimportant. And uh, she was unaware that she was pregnant. This is a fucked up story, to be honest. She was unaware that she was pregnant. She wound up giving birth in the room and thought the baby had died. So she threw the fucking baby onto the roof of the adjacent building. I don't like this. Like a fucking asshole. So afterwards, she was charged with murder. She met with a couple of psychiatrists, and they all said that she was mentally confused at the time of the incident. So, I mean, who knows what was going on in her head, but either way, it's just fucking horrible. She was found not guilty by reason of insanity. November of 1947, Robert Smith jumped from the seventh floor of the Cecil Hotel. In October of 1954, so there's a kind of a good jump there. It's almost, uh, what is that, seven years? Maybe a little bit more? 1947 Jeez. to 55. I, I think good count. jump was a bad, bad choice of words <laughs> there. That's the point. You're fucking right. Freezing. Um, Helen Gurney, 55 years old, she jumped from the window of her seventh floor. So the seventh floor is not a great floor for this hotel. I mean, we're looking at like seven, between seven and nine right now. Is so she jumped spot. from, the, yeah, she jumped from the seventh floor of a hotel room, landed on top of the Cecil's Marquis. So the sign out in front of the building, she jumped from the front of the building onto the sign in front of it. One week prior, she had come into the hotel under a different name. And that's why this is kind of interesting, especially because she, her name was Helen Gurney and she checked in as Margaret Brown. So it's kind of, I think it's kind of interesting that she checked in under a different name. I don't know if anybody feels the other way. 1962, Julia Francis Moore jumped from a window of her eighth floor room because apparently nine was too high, but seven was just not high enough. In landed on the second story, uh, in second story interior light well. So I would say she split the difference between seven and nine. On that one. Exactly. There was no suicide note, and uh, apparently she had come from St. Louis. Um, on Ooh. October of 1962, Pauline Otten jumped from the window of a ninth-floor room. Jesus Christ. So I guess the moral of this story is don't stay on floor nine. Or seven. You know what's kind of weird, though? Like, what what I'm obviously, as, as I read this through, I didn't think about it when I was writing it, but as I read this through, it's kind of fascinating to me that it's the seventh and ninth floor predominantly. Like, what was happening on the seventh floor of this hotel? And I'm not being a smartass. Like, were there a lot of balconies on the seventh floor? Like, why? Well, yeah, and it, I'm, but I mean, at the same time, if you're going to make that decision, you're probably going to go up higher than two or three. So. Well, yeah, but like, why not the fifth floor? You know what I mean? I don't know. So what's interesting about this is that Pauline had a fight with her husband, but her husband left the room prior to a suicide. 
And this is the sad part. She landed on a fucking pedestrian. A guy named George Gianni, oh. 65 years old. She landed on him and killed them both instantly. Originally, the police thought that they had killed themselves together, that he had also jumped out the window. But they later determined that, one, his hands were still in his pockets when they found his body, and two, his shoes were still on. And unfortunately, and this is gold star territory for some of you. Um, you get a gold star if you can sit through this. When your body smashes into the fucking pavement, apparently your shoes come off. That makes sense. And he was still wearing his shoes. So that is just horrible. You know, I hate to make light of this situation. So don't. But you think like maybe he stepped in gum and he was like, ah, oh, how could this day get any worse? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you're a terrible person. So in 1964, we have a we have our murder. This person did not commit. You fucking asshole! This person did not commit suicide. She was murdered. All right, let's. We got a. This is this is a horrible one. So let's not laugh too much. Um, she was known as Pigeon Goldie because she used to feed birds in the park. She was a retired telephone operator. She was found sexually assaulted, stabbed, and beaten in her room. She was well-known around the area. Everyone loved her. The reason they called her Goldie Pigeon is because she used to feed birds in the park. She used to wear Brooklyn Dodgers hat all the time. Oh, I'm sorry. An LA, L.A. Dodgers hat all the time. There was a man who was found briefly. Uh, he was a 29-year-old man found later covered in blood. He was arrested but uh, somehow determined that the blood was for other reasons and set free. Oh, yeah. He just, just had some blood on him. The next murder was, um, looks like, 11 years later. It was an unidentified woman who jumped from a 12th floor window. Uh, when she jumped from the 12th floor, she landed on the second floor roof. Unfortunately, she was never able to be identified. After that, it was pretty quiet at the Cecil Hotel, with the exception of Serial killer and really smelly fucking asshole Richard Ramirez. He stayed in the hotel in 1985. It's believed that he uh, committed at least some of his murders while living there. And then in 1991, we have a serial killer from Austria who... It, this guy's kind of an interesting story, so give me a second while I uh, roll on a tangent here. So this guy's name was... Hang on, give me a second. Give Jack Unterweger. There, thank you, thank but you. I, Jack, I believe it's pronounced Unterweger. Unterweger. Uh, so Jack was released from prison after literally fucking raping and murdering a prostitute. He was released from prison in Austria. Can um, we just say that? <clears throat> I just because it's part of the story. He uh, he murdered this prostitute with her own bra in Austria. Yes. Yeah. No. The first murder was. Um, this is important. So I just want to. The, the first murder, he wrapped her own brassiere around her neck and strangled her. Anyway, known shitbag, an Austrian widow, uh, was released from prison. He was a poet. He was uh, kind of a cause celeb for a lot of people in Austria. And uh, he was kind of a, a model of uh, recidivism. Um, not recidivism. Uh, what's the word I'm looking at? Redemption. He became a journalist. He traveled to the United States in 1991, and then he killed three fucking prostitutes in L.A. So, hotel, not a great place. Hold on, hold on. You kind of skimmed over that story a little bit. He's <laughs> just a general piece of shit. I don't well, want to give this guy any more fucking credit than he deserves. I just think it's interesting. We're spending more time on Unterweger 
than we are on fucking Richard Ramirez, and Richard Ramirez was probably a worse piece of shit. You could have spent more time on Richard Ramirez. I mean, Richard Ramirez is a fucking scumbag, moron, you asshole. You tell the people how so he was, was caught. He was caught because he's a fucking moron. That's can I? I'll caught. tell the people how he was caught. Fine, you can. For those, you can talk those, about Jack and Richard right, Ramirez because so they're both pieces of shit and they deserve to die. Well, you know, so doing research for this, finding out that these two serial killers stayed there, uh, Jack Jack Unterweger actually is suspected to have stayed there because Richard Ramirez stayed there. Um, That's so, all conjecture, though. There's no actual proof that he agreed to that. Yeah, still, I mean, it's kind of, kind of more than a coincidence that this place had two serial killers staying there at any given time. Um, so the reason he came to America was because he was working with the L.A. police, the local police, uh, going through the red light districts of L.A. Well, I guess I guess the reason why I don't necessarily think that it's um, I don't think that it's on purpose that he stayed there is that he was looking for prostitutes and Skid Row is right down the street. So I think you're giving too much credit to this fucking scumbag. Well, so hold on. After he was released a few months uh, in 1990, he killed nine women before coming to America. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm saying I think so he's just trying to kill prostitutes. I don't think he was doing this on purpose. It, in 91, he killed these three women. All of them were strangled with their own bras. This is this was his thing. Like the every single one of these women. Yeah, was I know. With their own it's, bras. it's just not tied to Ramirez, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, I understand that. So he was actually arrested in Miami in '92 and extradited to Austria. And in a, a six-to-two margin, he was found guilty of uh, nine counts of murder. So and the problem with old Jack himself. is as soon as he was found guilty, he fucking hung himself. So he never confessed to his crime, so we don't really know his motives, which is why I didn't really bring up the fact that he might have stayed there because of Richard Ramirez, because frankly, we have no idea why the fuck he stayed there because he fucking hung himself like a pussy after he got convicted. Okay, so going back to Richard Ramirez, he went out to Arizona to visit his brother. When he came back to L.A., um, he was walking through a bus dot terminal, and some... Mexican women were there. They referred to him as El Matador, which means the killer. Um, that's true, actually. That's what's uh, kind of interesting about Richard Ramirez. Richard Ramirez got away with a lot of fucking bullshit before he actually got arrested. He, at one point, was fucking pulled over. I know we're running out of time, but this is a great story. He got pulled over by the police. And when he got pulled over by the police, the police officer said, hey, you're not that Night Stalker guy, are you? And Richard Ramirez was like, no, when are you going to catch that guy? And so then when the police officer had his back turned, Ramirez wrote a fucking uh, pentagram on the hood of the car he was in and then ran away. This guy fucking, he got away from the police Jesus. and was caught by the goddamn citizens of the fucking town he was in. Yeah, he, he's, he saw his face on papers ran because the police were in the terminal, attempted to carjack a woman on the Santa Ana freeway, and bystanders said, fuck you, beat the shit out of him until the police got there and took him into custody. So, anyway. I just thought they were fun stories. You're right, little tidbits. 1991, yeah. and from 1991 to 2013, nothing happens at this hotel until Elisa Lamb, Canadian citizen, comes to the United States. She's 21 years old. And she's found dead inside the water supply tank, completely nude, of the Cecil Hotel. Lamb had gone missing for almost three weeks before she was found. Her decomposing body was only discovered 
because people in the hotel had said that the water had tasted strange from the cistern on top of the building. Authorities later ruled Lamb's death was an accidental drowning. I don't know about you guys, but I've never accidentally been naked. Now, who discovered the body? She was discovered when the sit- the people who were staying in the hotel had said that um, the water tasted funny and had like a strange color to it. Yes, but who discovered the body on the roof? It was a janitor. Uh, so a janitor went up and checked the water supply tanks, and he opened this 20-pound door to the supply tank and found uh, a woman's body floating in it. Now, again, I don't want to get too far into this because this is something that I'm going to cover next segment, but uh, she apparently was face up when he found her. Hmm. So I have two final notes to the Cecil Hotel story before we go to break. The first one is Alyssa Lamb was found um, in an area of the hotel that was only ex- uh, accessible by stairs, and she was found completely nude in the water cistern of the hotel. The second note I want to add is that there was a, a 17th victim, if you will. Her name is Elizabeth Short, and she was a murder victim dubbed by the media as the Black Dahlia. So those of you who might have followed um, literally any number of pop culture references, Black Dahlia murder was a terrible, terrible killing of a young woman who was basically cut in half. Her face was horribly mutilated. And the reason that she is a part of this story anyway is Elizabeth Short was seen drinking in the bar at the Cecil Hotel um, in uh, shortly before she was found. So it was uh, just days before her murder in 1947. So I thought it was kind of interesting to bring up. It was the and, last time uh, she was seen alive, apparently. Yeah, that was... No, I don't think it was the last time she was seen alive, but she was seen at the Cecil a couple of days before she was found murdered. I, I, I didn't see anything that said it was the last time she was seen. It was, all I saw was that it, she was seen days beforehand, and that was kind of interesting. So it was theorized that she might have been staying there under a uh, pseudonym. So, that's all I got. Let's go to break, and then we're going to get into the story of Alyssa a little bit further and talk about her life and times and some of the theories that we might have uh, as to what happened to her. So, with that horrible goddamn note, let's pivot to an ad. Famous Monsters. Celebrating horror, sci-fi, and fantasy genres since 1958. Their annual magazine is available now along with new apparel released every month. Follow them on social media at Famous Monsters, and check out their entire catalog at CaptainCo.com. So, Sarge, I, uh, I noticed that Chrissy Teigen followed you now, huh? Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. She's Ooh, wow. fucking, she's one of the coolest people. I've only been trying to get her to follow me on Twitter for two years. I know, and she even said hello to you. She did, and I actually passed out for a second. Did your palms get all sweaty? Um, uh, my sweatshirt was definitely covered with mom's spaghetti, for sure. Weak, knees, and heavy. <laughs> she, she's just like one of the funniest people on Twitter. She's like, one of the greatest people on Twitter, for sure. I think she's hilarious. I love when she, she had that like that fake fight, or not the fake fight, but like she fought that like white, the alt right guy, whatever his name was. There, I don't know. I don't know. She's uh, she, just amazing. Like she I, I would never want to like fight with Chrissy Teigen because she would just bury me. No, there's there's many threads with uh, Chrissy Teigen. She's yeah, she's she's awesome. Anyway, long story short, um, I want to thank all my followers for for hooking me up on that. By the way, as we continue on, <clears throat> and uh, the first words Chrissy Teigen ever said to me were "Hi bastard," <laughs> which is interestingly <laughs> enough what my father said to me when I was born. So thank you. Hi bastard. Hi bastard. 
Okay, so um, now that all the revelry is out of the way, we need to get into this horribly depressing story about this poor woman who died well before her time. So, terrible segue. January 26, 2013. Alyssa Lamb traveled to California from Canada, where she is a citizen. She checked into the Cecil Hotel originally and um, was checked into hostel-style lodging, but was moved at the request of her roommates due to odd behavior, unfortunately. Due to her odd behavior, right? So, for a lot of people who may not know, Alyssa Lamb uh, was... Uh, diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Manic bipolar. Manic bipolar. Di- well, bipolar disorder by itself uh, can include manic behavior. And that's the point, is um, originally bipolar disorder was known as manic depressive disorder. So people who had bipolar disorder would have these incredible highs and these incredible lows. So um, in, in this particular case, it seems to me that uh, Alyssa might have been exhibiting some manic behavior based on her mental disorder. No, I shouldn't even say disorder. Uh, uh, this affliction, I guess, is probably the safest way to say that. Yep. Uh, I don't want to call it a disorder, really, because, frankly, anything can be a disorder, whereas she was actually uh, diagnosed with this. So in January 31st of 2013, she was last spotted uh, by a hotel worker. This is the last live person to see her at the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles, and it's close to the neighborhood known as Skid Row, which I've already mentioned, where drug use occurs and homelessness is prevalent. In the start of February, Lamb was supposed to check out but didn't show up, and um, it sparked a notification to the police. In February, uh, February 6th, so uh, a few days after she was supposed to check out, the LAPD was called in, and they released details about suspicious uh, disappearance of a missing Vancouver woman, which later turned out to be Alyssa Lamb. A day later, the LEPD held a press conference about Lamb's disappearance. Seven days after that, the LAPD released a two-minute surveillance video of Lamb, who seemed to be acting unusually in the hotel's elevator, pushing several floor buttons, stepping outside the elevator, and then leaving. The concern was mounting regarding the student's disappearance. If you want to see a little bit more of Alyssa Lamb's video, you can type a name into YouTube and you can actually watch the video. It was a creepy video. The important thing to remember about this video is the video was sped up a little bit to show you the entire video in a short time frame. So... The video was actually slowed down. But oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm get sorry. You're absolutely theories. right. You're mm. absolutely right. The video was slowed down, not sped up. The video was slowed down by 25%. Uh, in February, uh, in February of that same year, February 19th, after complaints of low water pressure from guests at Cecil Hotel, a worker checked the hotel's water tank and discovered a body. It is later identified as the missing Alyssa Lamb. On February 20th of 2013, officials issue a do-not-drink order to the hotel residents. So this is one day after they discover the body, they're telling people not to drink the water. That's pretty concerning. Oh, by the way. Kind of disgusting, yeah. By the way, we found something. Yeah, there's a dead person in the water tank, so don't drink all the water you just drank. Um, And the LAPD started investigating, trying to determine if Lamb's death was due to foul play or by accident. So that's the that's the the kind of anticlimactic 
timeline of Alyssa Lamb's death. But I think the thing that, that's really important to remember here is we're talking about a young woman who was literally found in the water tower of a hotel that's got a checkered past. That she fucking place was a shit magnet. Let's not even, really it's not a even a checkered magnet. past. It's a fucking shit magnet. This poor woman was found nude and dead in the water, in the water tank of this hotel. And um, the LAPD catches a lot of shit. And sometimes, frankly, I think it's deserved. And in this particular case, she's found on the 19th and the hotel doesn't issue a warning on the 19th. They wait until the 20th. The LAPD issues the warning. Excuse me. I got to say, even if it was found at 1159, the warning should have been a lift in at 12.01. Exactly. This is insane. There's a dead body in the fucking cistern of the hotel. To be be fair, uh, you can also Google the photos of the firemen on the water tanks. Yeah. They had to actually, I don't know, this is kind of... Still, don't drink the fucking water while the firemen are in there. You know what I mean? So, so they uh, they actually had to cut a, a big hole in the side of the water tank to get her body out because of it, the fact that it had already started decomposing. It was, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll get into that later on. But yeah, it was. I mean, there's photos of the firemen like on top of the tank, like firemen, uh, police officers, detectives, like just like on the roof inspecting the tanks, looking at all the tanks. To, I mean, like. You figured that people would know what was going on on the 19th, but no, apparently apparently the water was safe enough. They'll put some iodine in it, call it a day. It's just unbelievably fucked up. I'm, I'm really, as somebody who is in the military police, I generally try and do my best to give the police the benefit of the doubt. But in this fucking situation, I'm sorry, you, you don't get a fucking win on this one. That's disgusting. You waited, even if you waited five minutes, ten minutes... That's fucked up. All right. So now that we've covered the timeline, I've got some theories. Maynard's got a theory, which I'm sure will be aliens. No aliens. Not Nazis. The, not not the, no no not the, the Yetis. Yeti. No, no. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to step away from those. I said what I said, but I I, I think you'll in I I think you'll be intrigued by by what I'm what I'm going to tell you. Well. As long as it's not more tryouts for witches. Well, uh... You couldn't... Whatever. <laughs> all right. So, you guys uh, you guys have heard of tuberculosis, right? TB. TB is a TB. Tuberculosis. That was uh, also known as consumption in the 1800s, and Charles Dickens wrote about it quite a lot. So, did you guys know there were 4,500 outbreaks of tuberculosis reported to the CDC in the Skid Row area at the same time of Alyssa Lamb's disappearance? Those goddamn anti-vax motherfuckers. Vaccinate, damn it. Yeah, y- you know, you know what causes a hundred percent of fucking measles? Not vaccinating your fucking kids, you morons. <clears throat> so, uh, there's two separate but intertwining theories, or two separate theories that spur off of this. The first is that it's a government cover-up because why not? The the government. And in order to hide this outbreak in Skid Row, killed somebody. They also claim this may have been a staged murder. Uh, when you say they, do you mean people who are fucking morons? There are quite a large amount of people who think this actually was a real theory. Are all those people fucking morons? I can't. I can't 
testify to the veracity of their of their knowledge on anything. So maybe. Like when you said veracity, do you mean Velociraptor? No, that's a that's a dinosaur from a movie. So, so you should have said veracity then, right? Not Veroc- just the movie. Veracity, veracity. What veracity. a fucking same difference. All right. Anyway, uh, in order to hide the outbreak, the government. W- uh, th- the government was testing on these people. So the government spread this outbreak, started the outbreak, 4,500 people. Um, the the reason that people think that this is somehow connected, do you know what the test for tuberculosis is called? No. 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 I got nothing. Enzyme-linked immunoabsorbent essay. Essay? A-S-S-A-Y. Like... Oh. Sorry. Hey, what's going on, they say? Yeah. Also called the Lamelisa test for short. What? L-A-M hyphen E-L-I-S-A. Oh, so this is when people take a word and then shoehorn it to mean something else because they're fucking assholes? I don't know. So the Lamelisa test is what was used to check these people for tuberculosis. So you think what happened, not you, but these people think what happened is the United States government was like, Let's wait until somebody named Alyssa Lamb comes to America. Then we can fucking enact this. This is our conspiracy. time. Or, or uh, the majority of people who I've kind of seen when I'm researching this theory were that they made up the name Alyssa Lamb. So when you say and that people, this is a you mean, crisis actor situation where... So when you say people, you mean fucking gu- assholes, yeah, right? Yeah, well... well so you, you could say fucking asshole. We're, we're not covered by... Uh, the FCC. We could say whatever so we want. Are you saying this person didn't exist? Yeah, yeah. Alyssa Lamb. Um, no, he's not saying that. These no, people no, who I are know, fucking I, assholes no, are saying that. So this theory goes really pretty deep. She had a Tumblr account. Alyssa Lamb had a Tumblr account, but Is she that porn didn't. On it? Ah, probably. But well, that's not. I don't want to watch consumption porn. So uh, Alyssa Lamb had a Tumblr account, but she did not have a Facebook or Twitter presence. Twenty-one-year-old uh, back in 2013 who didn't have that type of presence uh people question this a lot um her sister had a twitter account at at the time had like something like 13 tweets um her facebook account didn't mention her sister at all so uh didn't mention Alyssa. so people seem to think that a lot of this stuff was made up Um, Alyssa lamb had an instagram account but it had like 20 pictures on it and none of them were of of her, like not not one single selfie was taken in 2013. Well, did anyone from Vancouver like verify that she was an actual person? I mean, they 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 trotted out her family and and they had. I mean, again, you could they, they state the government might have hired crisis actors to play Alyssa Lamb's family, and you know they they may have done just a crappy job, but they the coincidence between the Lamb Alyssa test and the Alyssa yeah. Lamb. Uh, it just was whatever. Um, another variation of this is that she was actually a test subject for tuberculosis, and uh, one of the treatments for tuberculosis is. Um, if you say that that treatment is called the Cecil Hotel, I fucking quit the podcast. <laughs> it was actually, um, it was actually called. Uh, Not today, Satan. Isoniazide. Not today, Satan. The most commonly used antibiotic for tuberculosis, actually, uh, with side effects including confusion and abnormal behavior. Whoa. Okay. All right. So she might have been tested, a subject 
for the tuberculosis um, strain and given this antibiotic, which with her issues with bipolar disorder and whatnot um, caused some more, more abnormal behavior than what she had exhibited previously, which is why she was moved out of her room. Um, well, hold on. Let's, uh, let's stop for a second. When you say she was moved out of her room, have we talked at all about her diagnoses? Well, so that she was, you, you mentioned uh, that she was bipolar um, and that she had actually been taking medication for it. Um, I, I'm actually not sure if you mentioned the medication, but yeah, she has been taking med- medication for bipolar disorder. Um, okay. Diagnosed just, in, in uh I just wanted to make sure we were clear about clear about that, is that she was actually diagnosed with bipolar yeah, disorder. Yeah, right. Which yep. So by a doctor. I would assume a medical is, professional. Yeah. I'm hoping. Well, that that's an awful far stretch to go for a crisis actor. If we're going that way. I I can't verify that she was seen by a doctor. I've not looked at her medical records. I've seen the autopsy report. The word crisis actor, I guess, just to kind of <laughs> irritates me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> ruffles the feathers. So, so uh, to speak. There's also a, a really far out theory that Alyssa Lamb was being tormented or possessed by the negative energy of the Cecil Hotel. I don't know that that's more far out than uh, the CIA fucking killed her. So the spirits... Well, the CIA... See, I'm going to say even keel. The I'm problem say, I have with the CIA is that they don't... They're, well, they're not supposed to be doing tests yeah, that's and not really shit thing, on right? domestic. <laughs> they're usually foreign. Well, I mean, they're also not supposed to be killing presidents, but... You know, they're also not supposed to be using the NSA to spy on our conversations yet. Actually, that's what the NSA does. That's their actual job. The NSA, well, the NSA's got... Well, they're not hooked up to, like... That's why they call the National Security Agency and not the the International Security Agency. The CIA is not supposed to be using that. They're they're not domestic. The CIA is not supposed to be domestic. We'll get into this in another episode. Right, well, whatever. So, um... People think that she was either being tormented by the negative energy and spirits of the Cecil Hotel or that Richard Ramirez himself may have actually been haunting and tormenting Alyssa Lamb. Richard Ramirez's ghost was haunting and tormenting Alyssa Lamb. <laughs> so that's the paranormal. Are you saying that she was she was murdered by a ghost? No, 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 no. Driven to madness by the ghost. This is why driven she to driven. madness so, by a ghost. I mean, a real person died here. So I understand. I'm just saying this she is was the most seen nonsense fucking the, well, theory. That, no, that's what, that's um, we're all, so all she saying was the same thing. Seen talking outside the elevator to somebody who wasn't there. Yeah. So the obvious is that people jumped to she saw a ghost or was possessed or whatever, and driven to madness by the paranormal. Okay, not to be a smartass, but let's play a quick game. You're about to get in an elevator, and an obvious ghost shows up. Are you going to have a conversation with it, or are you just going to take the fucking stairs like a normal person? It depends. Is it the is it the librarian well, ghost she, from Ghostbusters? If it, I mean, if it's a librarian <laughs> ghost from Ghostbusters, I'm going to stick around. I mean, if it's the cool one that gives Dan Aykroyd a blowjob, I'd be like, hey, how you doing? Hey. hey. <laughs> but... But I if it's support all forms of life, I do not judge. My love knows no bounds. But if it's that, if it's that creepy ghost from the librarian, it's not like, a ghost. I don't think it's cheating if it's a ghost, right? That's the ghost in the library. 
I was like, <laughs> I was like, my level's oh. too loud. What am I doing? Maynard's, Maynard's gonna talk for a minute. Okay. No, 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 I'm, I'm, but I'm saying like it's not cheating if it's a ghost, right? If you get a BJ from a ghost, it's not alive, so it can't be fucking <laughs> cheating, right? Okay, so if there's any ghosts that are listening to this podcast, <laughs> I am available. Can we just open this up to the listeners? If you just give us a quick yes Listen or this, no, please respond. Just a yes or no, cheating or not. At C underscore G underscore supernormal. Maybe we'll even create a poll for it. I'm not sure yet. We are definitely going to create a poll for it. <laughs> and that poll is going to be my erection. Can you suck it if you're a ghost and it not be cheating? <laughs> I need to know immediately. Is it, is that an and other penis-related news. Is that an urban dictionary entry? Like, do we need a description for that? <laughs> I don't even know how we would fucking describe that. Right. By the way, I got I to gotta say, our fans are the greatest. You guys have created so many fucking Urban Dictionary responses. I know we're, we're talking about a terrible, serious subject here, but we got to lighten the load a little bit. Thank you guys so much for lightening my load. Uh, I did not come when I read that, but I appreciate you guys putting that out there. Venus glassing is now in the Venus Urban glassing is now a real thing. I hope, so, I hope somebody got a half-buried flashlight over the weekend. So <laughs> 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 somebody please tell us if it's okay for a ghost to suck your dick and it's not cheating. All right, continue. Continue All right. on, Jordan. All right. I'm so, sorry. So uh actually, so I'm going to I'm going to you mentioned briefly in our show discussion uh, the Jerusalem and Paris syndromes. Um I think you're crazy. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, buddy. It is crazy. And uh that's why I brought it up. So poor Alyssa Lamb, we all know she had bipolar disorder. What I'm suggesting is there are two disorders. They're not necessarily recommended by the DSM, which is a diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders. However, these are two illnesses that have been known to affect people who have dr uh, drastically changed their uh, personal environment to visit a new place. So Jerusalem disorder is the first one I wanted to talk about. Jerusalem disorder is what happens when people go to Jerusalem and have intense religious experiences. They get excessive, uh, obsessive religious ideas, delusions, and psychosis-like experiences that, trigger, that are triggered by a visit to the city of Jerusalem. We're talking about people who get Messiah complexes when they travel to Israel. This happens because these people are expecting an amazing experience, and they receive one. The problem is that brains can't handle it. They arrive there, and they immediately think they're fucking Jesus. Oh, see, I would go there and be completely let down, if I'm being honest. Well, I've been to the Middle East, and it doesn't always smell the greatest, so you might be right. That's how I feel when I go to the AVN Awards in Vegas every year. You have a terrible life. So, and then the Paris Syndrome. The Paris Syndrome is a bit different. Paris syndrome is actually a condition that's generally affected only by um, Asian American, um, not Asian Americans, Asian people. So people from the Asian continent, China, Japan, those kinds of areas. And what happens is these people arrive in Paris expecting the fucking city of lights. And what they instead find is a trash filled dumpster that's actually currently on fire, believe it or not. And it's not California. I believe it. I, Yellow vest. I wouldn't expect Paris to be. It's actually not that bad a place, but the point I'm trying to make is people arrive there and they're expecting this amazing city of light, and what they actually find is just a normal fucking city that just happens to be a very historic and important place. 
What happens is these people get a delusional state, hallucinations, feelings of persecution, prejudice, aggression, hostility, derealization, depersonalization, anxiety, and psychosis. The reason I bring all this up is that Elisa Lamb might have been in a fragile mental state when she arrived in Los Angeles, California. What we see of Los Angeles, California on television is this beautiful golden place with streets paved of gold. It's not. It's not. No, no it smells like toilets. So what actually happens is she arrived there. She was staying near Skid Row. She saw what a terrible place it actually is in some parts and um, actually experienced some kind of mental breakdown in conjunction with the fact that she was already diagnosed with bipolar disorder with manic tendencies. The reason I bring this whole thing up is not necessarily because I have any sort of background in psychology. All I'm trying to say is it's an interesting theory to posit that maybe her arrival in Los Angeles, California, and her cognitive dissidence with what California might be in movies versus what she witnessed might have caused a mental break in an already fragile person. Thoughts? Anyone? I mean, it makes, to makes total sense. It least I makes sense. Makes I know it's not... Uh, Again, as I mentioned, I'm not a, a psychiatrist. I have no backing in that field whatsoever. I just thought it might be an interesting thing to posit. What do you think, Jordan? I'm not asking you whether you think it's true or not. I'm just saying, do you think I have a hard time have believing that someone from Canada had such high expectations of Los Angeles? Why? Because you've been to Canada, right? Yeah. And you've heard of Los Angeles, correct? Mm, yeah. Have you been to China? No. We're talking about a place where you have to wear a fucking face mask sometimes she's because from, the air's full of aluminum. She's from British Columbia, Vancouver. What I'm trying to say is Paris syndrome is something that generally affects people from Asian countries like China and Japan. What I'm saying is it's not a matter of... She was Canadian. I live in a terrible... Yeah, but listen to what I'm saying. I'm not saying that she is experiencing something that's wildly different from home. What I'm saying is, in her mind, she sees what pop culture presents as, this is Los Angeles, California. When you watch a movie about L.A., do you normally see Skid Row, or do you normally see glowing skyscrapers and people living in mansions? Depends what I'm saying on, is her perception of what L.A. might have been is wildly different from what she experienced based on the fact that she was staying on Main Street in downtown L.A. right near Skid Row. I don't know. I find that, I find that difficult to... Uh, uh, you can say that, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but what I'm saying is uh, Paris Syndrome is typically experienced most by Japanese travelers. Now, what we know of Japan is it's an extremely crowded country. So it's not exactly probably the cleanest place on earth because it's crowded full of people in different areas of Japan. What I'm trying to say is Alyssa Lamb comes from Vancouver, Canada, right? Even the worst parts of Vancouver, Canada are probably not as bad as Skid Row. Mm, not to mention the fact, well, yes, yes, because as we as we might learn later on if we ever do an episode about, um, what's the name of that serial killer? 
There's a serial killer on a pig farm in Vancouver. Anyway, long story short, what I'm trying to say is what she sees of California might not be what she actually saw when she arrived. Well, that's pretty much everyone that's been to L.A. The cognitive dissidence. Yes, exactly. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. So that that's the sense. point I'm trying to make is I'm not saying that what she's experienced is better than California. What I'm trying to say is what she was expecting to see in Los Angeles when she arrived and what she actually witnessed might have furthered a mental break that was already on the horizon. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, all right, maybe. I think I think we've done quite a bit with the timeline and a couple of theories. Let's go to break and then Let's come go back to break. with the last two theories and I'm going to drop some knowledge. This episode has been brought to you by www.thebrandedsports.com. Go to brandedsports.com. Check out all the stuff they got. They're a pretty fucking awesome website because they're sponsoring this fucking podcast. I apologize for all the swears, but if you're from New England, you'll understand. Thank you, and have a wonderful fucking evening. All right. Well, welcome back from that extended commercial break. Um... Uh, before we before we get into the third and final segment of the show, I just thought it was appropriate to uh, give fair warning out there that we're going to be discussing some super fucking heavy topics. So if you have problems with uh, stories of uh, potential sexual assault or autopsy reports or anything that involves a dead body floating in the water, now is the time to turn off the show and pick us up next week when we covered something not horrible. Uh, so with that warning... Uh, Jordan, why don't you take over? Okay, guys. Um, so you'll remember last segment, we covered a couple of different theories, including but not limited to tuberculosis, Jerusalem and Paris syndromes, and Richard Ramirez's ghost. Um, this next theory, uh, I've pulled from a few different sources. It's a kind of a popular theory uh, that Elise Lane was murdered by a hotel employee. They have some <clears throat> different explanations and reasons why they think this is possible. Uh, and they think there's a part of a motive to this is that she was assaulted sexually, um, either by uh, a registered sex offender who had been staying at the... There was actually two registered sex offenders staying there during the same time, or a hotel employee. So, Do we have any, uh, any idea how many hotel employees were working there? Like, how big is the suspect field in that situation? I honestly couldn't tell you because... Uh, as part of the investigation, um, as the autopsy report will show, there was no defensive wounds and there was no um, there was no wounds or there wasn't anything showing any, um, as the delicate way to put it, is there was normal. No, like, there was no symbols of, um, there was no telltale signs. The way the autopsy the report puts is that her, the, her vagina was unremarkable and that it had not been, um, there was no penetration. Right. Right. I guess. And that's, there was that's, there was no there's no signs on her body that were consistent with sexual assault. Correct. With the exception of one thing that we'll get to in right. the autopsy report. Right. So um, it's really difficult to say how many employees were working, if that was actually a motive. It was just postulated. Um, some of the information I get um, for this postulated is a good word. Good word. All right, well thanks. Uh, some of the information I get comes from a YouTube guy 
He's got the account. It's Lorden Arts. He does the Brain Scratch series. I got to tell you, there's really no better source of information aside from Wikipedia than YouTube. Uh, I'll be honest. I thought this guy was kind of trash until I started seeing that he actually does post some of his sources. Um, some of his listeners post sources um, for him to, to look at. That's where I got some of this information when I went down the strange rabbit hole that is Lorden Arts on YouTube. So without further ado... Uh, Elise Lamb was seen entering the building on camera with two men. The, they went their separate ways after Elise Lamb was given a box. Now, so when you say um, when you say two men, like, was there any identifying features? Was there anything about those two men that kind of stood out as remarkable? Well, so this is the interesting thing about this. Um, no, what I find incredibly puzzling is that. The, um, I can't find the fucking thing for it now. It's fantastic. Hold uh, on. While Jordan's looking up this information, I am now going to sing for you a tune called I Gotta Go, My Grandma's on Fire. Um, so there was a, a detective Thank who God worked the case, with that. Uh, a detective who worked the case, uh, by the name of Wallace Tunnell, uh, gave his thoughts in a deposition and when asked, they, they said that the footage that was released was not the only footage released at the time, um, or that not the only footage of her being seen before her disappearance. She was actually seen entering the building earlier with two men. Uh, they gave her a box of some kind. They went one way, she went the other way, um, and they never saw these two men again. Guys, I'm sorry I have to do this. What's in the box? In the box. So... It's not a head, I don't think. It's okay. not a head. There's a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I'm just, maybe I should have started If you haven't seen Seven. Ah, oh, see, you just spoiled it. You didn't even have to name the movie. Uh, everybody could tell immediately that that was Brad Pitt based on my accent. So. Well, maybe someday you'll give like a two-minute review of it. Oh, God. In some form. We tried that once, didn't we? No, you never tried it. No, no, no. We watched the movie. We did. We just drank a lot of alcohol. Yes. And then we yes. were also sitting by a fire. It was fucking freezing out. What was it, like 30 degrees, and yeah. I was sitting in a metal chair? Yeah. It took two days, two full days for my balls to completely thaw out. Okay. So, going back to this real oh, quick. sorry. Um, so, when asked, the detective said, we did see her come in with two gentlemen. She had, they had a box and gave it to her. He said, she went up into her to the elevator, we never saw them again on video. Was this the famous so this elevator was, video we saw, or is this a different This elevator? is a different video. The vi okay. So the elevator video actually comes from her being on the 14th floor. That is where that elevator video comes from. And the interesting thing about that, that was not the floor she was staying on, right? Um, I couldn't confirm what room she was in when she had disappeared. Originally, when she checked into the hotel, she was in the hostile-style room uh, with other people, and that was room 506B. So that's, that's definitely not the 14th floor. No, no. Um, but so then they, they kicked her out of that room, right? Because she was being, uh, she was act stra acting strangely? Yeah, so the problem okay. was is that she, they, they claimed that she had some strange behavior, odd behavior, and they were they moved her to her own room. So what's really curious is the police never make mention that these two men are suspects of any kind. Uh, they They see them clearly with her, they never released that footage. So this is what causes people to think that 
the police may have slightly covered some things up or gone for the easy accidental drowning conclusion that they came to with Lisa. So if I could <clears throat> if I could add something here though that I think is kind of pertinent to the story. Um, in the history of that hotel, we had already mentioned that Richard Ramirez had uh, been staying there and he had killed a few people. And we had also mentioned uh, an Austrian serial killer. Jordan, can you say his name? Because I'm going to fuck it up. Uh, it's uh, Jack Unterweger. Okay, so Jackie boy. Or Unterweger, whatever you want to. He, um, he had originally killed some women in Austria. He had gone to prison. He was released from prison. We covered this a little bit in the previous segment, but he was arrested after killing some prostitutes in L.A. Now, the thing um, that makes this that we're talking about it pertinent is that a lot of the times uh, there's a theory that if um, a serial killer kills prostitutes, it's not going to be as investigated as thoroughly by the police because uh, prostitutes fit in a category that's um, it's an insensitive term, but the, the term is the less dead because... Um, a lot of serial killers, they'll kill a woman like this or they'll kill a man who's, who's living in uh, the fringe of society and they'll think that nobody's going to report them missing. And so what's interesting about the, the theory that uh, we're, we're getting to here is that the police wanted to have an easy closure to this. But the difference is Alyssa Lamb was not a prostitute. She, was a, she had a family up in Canada. She had a Canadian passport. She, it didn't... So I, it, she didn't fit the demographic. She didn't fit the bill of a prostitute. So um, to me, that kind of pokes at least a, a little hole in the theory that, you know, the police just wanted a quick result. Because if anything, um, if, if a young woman has a family and she goes missing, I mean, that, that becomes big news. Yeah. Yep. So here's here's the issue. Um, well, I'm sorry. The, the reason I say it becomes big news and the reason why I think that the police would want to solve it is because a police officer who solves a case like that, solves a case of a woman who, um, it's a high-profile case that's in the papers and everything, that police officer is going to get a lot of notoriety. And so they're more likely to solve a case like that. Is what I'm, or I shouldn't say that, but there's more of a motive to solve that case than of uh, a prostitute that no one knew. I, I think in this case they don't need to worry about that because the detective who was working this case had been on the force. Uh, he's worked robbery, rape, murder cases for actually over 35 years. Um, when this Alyssa Lamb case came out, so he's he's no he's no rookie when it comes to you know doing detective work and, and uncovering leads like this. Um, he actually thinks that she went through the door because there's only four ways onto the roof of the building. I know we touched on this briefly. There's the the alarmed door that will trigger the fire alarm, and then there's three fire escapes. You can actually climb out a window, go up the fire escape, access the roof. The uh, hotel's engineer said he tested the alarm regularly. It was in full working order w when Lamb went missing. Uh, and then, again, Lamb's, Lamb was found naked um, with her clothes in the water tank. So the only thing that I couldn't find, because uh, I, I did a little research on this too, the only thing that I couldn't find is um, I know when bodies are found in rivers and the ocean and even sometimes lakes, they're found nude. Uh, and some of that has to do with bloating of the body. Uh, rolling the clothes down as as the bloating occurs. Um, did you find anything about a body being found in standing water, um, being found naked? So no. Um, and and this is this is part of the problem. I mean, recently in in Boston, there's actually been quite a few uh, college age men's bodies found in the the Charles River. Um, and every instance, all of the men have been clothed. They've been in the water for days on end. Um, 
typically, I know that we've mentioned this again, but uh, if a body's going to bloat and the clothes are going to roll off, um, typically the underwear stays on. It's more constrictive. She was completely naked uh, when she was found in the in the water tank, which is just, that's kind of puzzling on its own. Um, the coroner's report did state that there was no foul play um, and that the full review of circumstances didn't support the idea that Lamb even intended to hurt herself, which is why they don't think this was a suicide. Um, so one thing that's interesting to note, um, they they don't touch on it briefly, but um, they said they couldn't find the box. They searched the elevator. They, they searched the nooks and crannies, um, and that search included the roof, and Lamb's belongings had been moved to the basement. It included a backpack, a laptop, and things of value that led the police to believe she actually had returned on plan, planned on returning to her room. So my question, I guess, would be, what's the timeline from her receiving that box and her being um, and her being seen in the elevator? So she was she was seen entering the elevator uh, at the thirty first and first of January, February, that time frame. Um, she was seen entering the building on the thirty first in that footage with the two men. So when everything so we're talking done, we're talking a day's difference. I mean, honestly, that that. That hours. We're saying just... hours at this point. Hours is difference between the thirty first during the day and the first at midnight. Okay, but what 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 could have happened is you know it could have just been fucking pastry or takeout in that box. She ate it and then threw the box away. And it's very possible. That's absolutely possible. But again, why didn't they say takeout box? This is why this is why this is so mysterious. This is why this generates so many different theories. But moving on. Um, yeah, because you had said they don't even have the video of her going into the hotel with those two guys, right? The video's gone? Uh, they never released it. I don't know. Uh, the detectives saw the video. I don't know if they have it somewhere, but they never released it, which is a- another problem for a lot of people because if you have video of her hours before she's disappeared and then the last time you see her, why not release both? This, again, goes to why. what are they not showing you here? Why don't they want you to believe that there's two suspects in the case? Uh, it's it, again. This is part of the mis- the mystery of Elisa Lamb. Um, I think I think the larger problem here is, and when you get these whole high profile cases, especially in today's day and age, when you have a really um, intriguing concept like a young woman disappearing and, and behaving strangely in an elevator, um, and you have all that on video, I think the problem with having this kind of ubiquitous technology nowadays is that you see all this stuff happening in real time. You see, you know, Alyssa Lamb behaving strangely in an elevator and her walking into a hotel with two gentlemen and there's nothing in between and that creates room for people to make speculation. Absolutely. And, and, Absolutely. And this yeah. is all this case is based on a speculation at this point. The the LAPD has have ruled this in accidental drowning. But Again, these these are little things that people pick out, and and because you can't explain it, just like Dyatlov Pass, you can't explain what happened to exactly. these bodies. You just have this weird situation where someone's missing a tongue and someone's head has a fracture, and you know you go, well, they, th- you know, there's something must have happened. And, and that's one of the things that I brought up in the first, uh, either the first or second blog of uh, Love. I I said, you know, n- lack of information is is the mother of speculation. Right, right. So, um, obviously, we've seen the video. Now, one of the things that, again, causes people to speculate that there was some foul play involved, either on the part of the hotel or part of the police, is that the video was altered. It was slowed down by about 25%, 
and um, there's a a some type of code over the timestamp. So you can't actually see what the timestamp of the video is, whether that was done by the police or it was done by the hotel. Unfortunately, we don't know. Uh, we can say that when you speed up the video by uh, 125%, so you speed it up to 125 on playback, it plays in real time. Her movements look a little bit less deliberate. Uh, they, they don't look as exaggerated as they do when the video is slowed down. Um, but there are things to note in the video, like the elevator door jams. A lot of people miss this. Around the 13 to 15 second mark, if you look, you actually see the elevator door attempt to close, and it jams and sends back. Apparently, it's well known that this elevator specifically has problems jamming, and to this day, apparently, the Stay on Main Hotel jamming too. I had to get has issues with the, hel the elevator jamming. Um, something that a hotel employee or somebody who's a long-time resident there may have known, pushing her further into the theory that she was with somebody else. As you see her come out of the elevator, like she's pleading with somebody to talking yeah, to Yeah, it looks like she's gesturing someone right. down the hall. So uh, there's a, a body language success website that uh, the company itself had reviewed this footage shortly after she disappeared on February 13th. Full disclosure, before we get too deep into this, no one on this podcast uh, takes body language specialist seriously. That is correct. Because so, it's a nonsense bullshit profession. So but we would be They remiss. talk about how, uh, and you'll see if you watch the Elisa Lamb video, she goes out of the elevator and she, they, they say that she's playful and all this and that she's not concerned and she's not worried. Um, she puts her hands up behind her head at one point. Elbows pointed out. They call this um, the, the uh, gesture of sexual interest. Um, there she's like putting her ear, you know, her hands behind her head with her hair behind oh, her brushing ears. Brushing her hair behind yeah, her ears. Right, yeah, right, right, right. So um, I don't buy it. If anything, it's very possible that when she's entering the elevator, still has her hands behind her head. You know, one of the theories is that she was actually being coerced into walking back into the elevator and staying there. Um, that she was there against her will, which is why she had her hands up against her head. Because when she is talking, she's talking off to the right, um, looking down the hallway. When she's in the elevator behind the door, when it doesn't, when it jams and she's looking out, she's actually looking out down the left end of the hallway. She's looking in a completely different direction, trying to see if somebody's keeping the elevator door open or messing with her. It looks like, um, again, when she's bipolar manic, it's it's also one of those th things that. If she had been drinking, one of the side effects of her medication would be paranoia uh, and delusional thoughts. So it could be that she thought she was being chased as well. Did she have a history consuming alcohol? Um, I don't know. She's tw she, at this point, she's 21, and unfortunately, the toxicology reports and the autopsy come back uh, inconclusive. Well, yeah, because she had been in the water. But for she'd a been week in the water the time for they caught him, right? Caught weeks. Uh, found her, right? Weeks. weeks. It was two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Roughly, it was like 12 days, so two weeks roughly she was in the water. Yeah, so by that point, I mean, a toxicology test for the most part is going to be pretty inconclusive. Yeah, yeah, so that's they, the I think that, you know what, now that you this. mentioned that, I think they even said that in the autopsy report. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, so going back to it, um, how, does she get out of the, how does she get out of the building without setting the alarm off? And so if she didn't, in fact, climb out a window, up the fire escape, and onto the building, people think that she might have been led there by a hotel employee who could have actually had a key to turn the alarm off and let her out onto the door. A lot of fire alarm doors actually have keys that you can turn off 
Um, I, I know I've worked places. So I'd like this. to I'd like to throw in a little speculative sub theory here if I can. Sure. Is this like a sub tweet? Yeah, it's like a subtweet, except nobody's involved. So, as um, somebody who's worked in retail at times in my life, I have had to lock and unlock fire doors so people can take trash out. I have also forgotten to relock those fire doors, so when you push on the bar, the alarm doesn't go off. Is it possible that somebody in that hotel went up there to smoke a cigarette and forgot to turn it off, and then uh, realized, like the next day when they went up there to smoke a cigarette, oh shit, I forgot to set the alarm, I better set that again this time. I mean, yeah, that's 100% possible. The thing with the speculation, and, and a lot of the speculation I think we've heard in throughout the episodes that we've done, is this wild, insane nonsense that people come up with, when really it could just come down to a guy making minimum wage who's trying to sneak a butt on his break, and uh, he's up on the, you know, whatever, how many floors is, the, is this show? Uh, I don't know, quite a few. Anyway, this quite a few floors hotel, he's trying to sneak 14, a butt on the roof. Believe, yeah, 14, said. okay. And, uh... You know, he forgets. He's like, oh, shit, I forgot to lock it. I'll make sure I lock it on the way back down. Yeah, I mean, it's also possible that she's on the 14th floor when the elevator footage is taken. She goes to a staircase and sees that there's an open door. And exactly, goes out exactly. That could be it, too. the guy could have been on the roof. Yeah, he could have been on the roof then. And then he went back inside. She couldn't get back through. She thought maybe she could climb up onto the water tower to get a better look. And then, you know. Bob's your uncle, I guess. I don't know. But so here's, here's, here's where we end up. Uh, the, the other big issue that people have with the elevator footage is that there's a, a time of of the footage that's missing. All of a sudden, you see the footage, uh, you see the screen kind of jump a bit. The door is partially closed already, and it's closing all the way. I can tell you right now from experience where I currently work, we have cameras all over the building. They're not always recording. But as soon as it picks up motion, it starts to record. And so you may lose a second or two of initial footage, but it starts to pick up recording when you do a playback. So it's very possible that this elevator had been stuck for so long that the camera stopped recording, and then it picked up recording as the elevator door starts to open and close and go down. It's very simple that nobody walked through the frame and the elevator employee or a hotel employee didn't cut the frame um, to make it some type of crazy. That's just another theory is that people think that Somebody is seen walking through, somebody who had access to the elevator footage, cut the frame, so all you see is the elevator door closing. Anyway, um, so <laughs> she gets out. Hold on. So let's okay. just let's kind of power through this because we are going crazy here. But um, she gets out onto the, the roof. Um, again, in the autopsy report, they found sand particulate in her clothes, uh, sand particulate that survived being in the water of the tank. Um, she was found flo- uh, face up by the hotel employee, which sometimes uh, also can happen, but it's more likely that people who um, drown are found face down in water. Um, the, uh, the crazy thing about the water tower is it's on top of a platform. So in order to get onto the platform the water tower is at, you have to actually climb up about eight feet. Then you have to get a ladder, climb up on top of the water tank, and open about a 20-pound door. The 20-pound door is only 18 by uh, 24 inches, so it's a very small space. You'd have to deliberately jump into this. And this is why people think that she di- wouldn't have done this. It's a, it's a two-foot by foot-and-a-half opening that you have to use to climb into this water tank. And then the wind's not just going to blow, blow a 20-pound door shut. So when they go out and they, they, this hotel employee finds her floating in this tank, he has to open this door. So 
you figure a 20 pound door is open. She's not jumping in and closing this thing on herself. Um, this is again, why people think that there may have been foul play. Did you say, I'm sorry, did you say the door wasn't open when he found her? No, they, they had to open the door when, when they found her body. So the door was closed. She was floating in the tank with her clothes in the tank, completely naked. This lends to the thought that someone tried to get rid of the body. My problem is, is I like to consider myself strong enough that I could carry shingles to the roof of a house on a ladder. I've done it. When you were like 14. You assume that you've got like a five foot four woman. Well, I don't know her exact height. She's probably, yeah, she's probably, probably what, like 110, 115 pounds. You got to throw her over your shoulder, climb up to this thing on a ladder and then drop her body in a, in a tank. Yeah, it just it's, doesn't jive. It, it doesn't work. I mean, that's somebody who's really dedicated at that point to hiding this body. So I'm not quite sure that I buy that fully. So here's where the autopsy report brings up this the motive for an employee or for a uh, sexual predator who may have been staying, a registered sex offender staying at the hotel, to assault Elisa Lamb. The autopsy report makes note that there is coagulated blood found around her anus, the anal cavity. The problem that you run into is there is the community of, of experts torn that this could be the, the this an indication of sexual activity, or it could also be an indication um, that her body had been floating in the water and blood had pooled in one of the cavities. Before the body became waterlogged and... Correct. Okay. So we have no idea as to why it's there, but it's notated in the, on the autopsy report. So now, again, internet sleuths being what they are, definitely make mention of this in point to the worst extreme because it fits the narrative that they're trying to push, which is that she... Um, she was sexually, she was assaulted, sexually assaulted, assaulted by some crazy monster that works in Providing the motive for murder. Yeah. And hiding the body. Do we know what the crimes were, the sexual offenders that were living in the hotel? You know, I, I didn't look it up because uh, it's not always easy to find. Uh, yeah, right. It, I know they have to register, and it will tell you what level they are. But, but it doesn't tell you It doesn't crimes. tell you what the okay. exact crimes were sometimes. So, um, That being said, I don't buy the theory that she was murdered. I, I, I think what's more plausible is that she saw the open roof door, went up, out onto the roof, was looking around at the sites, seeing L.A., as you see it from you know from the top of a 14 story hotel she saw a ladder climbed up if it's dark out you know two in the morning maybe she fell in um i mean the problem with that is the autopsy report also shows that there was no um there was no signs of struggle on her hands her fingernails were intact um you figure somebody who's stuck in water is going to to fight to you know, stay afloat, try and get out, scratching at the walls or whatever. So I kind of have a mini theory In, here. So the other idea is that she wasn't naked when she fell into the water tank. She actually took her clothes off to help her stay afloat. Okay. Well, that's so a, that's what I, that's what I was thinking. Like if she fell in accidentally, and like would she have been able to climb out of that anyway? So if you're treading water and you well no, that's the other problem. So right, you but have then to survive. Well, we've also still got the problem of the open twenty pound door. Right. Well, this is the other issue. How did the door so close? Here's here's my mini theory on the situation. Um, pretty much everything that you said, but also she uh, might have some paranoid delusions because she's got um, 
you know, she's got a disorder Bipo- that manic bipolar, been, yeah. manic bipolar that could have been uh, exacerbated by alcohol consumption, which also, just to be clear, leads me to think that it, maybe what was in that box could have been rum cake. I think you would need a lot of rum in that cake in order for it to be a. I a had some rum cake a couple of days ago, and uh, trust me, it's effective. Maybe you're a bitch. I don't know. <sighs> well, if she was on medication, it might not take much to. Exactly. So anyway, well, rum cooks off when you cook it. I think, right? No, 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 no. You can make it two cake. different ways. You can make okay. the cake, and then you can soak the rum in the cake, or you can b- uh, bake the rum into the cake. If you bake it into it, the alcohol will burn off. Okay. Anyway, my theory is that she was having a paranoid delusion. She climbed inside the water tower because she was afraid that something was coming to get her. She closed the lid to hide. It might have even been hanging on to the underside of the door, and then lost her grip, fell in the water, took her clothes off to continue floating. And then eventually just uh, but, faded away. So you know the only theory, the only thing that really people bring up, and it makes a little bit of sense, is if you're treading water, you're concerned about shoes, shorts, shirt. She was wearing a sweater at the time, so it might have been cold. So she's, you know, she takes off her sweater, her shirt, things that all soak up water. Why, why bother taking your underwear off at that point? Because underwear is just like a bathing suit. It's not. There's really not much of a no, problem. No, it's an there. excellent point. It's an excellent point. And I mean, so, I obviously we're not going to solve this tonight, no, but it's it's, this is, it's this is this is ruled again accidental drowning, but I think the reason that it's it you know they say there's no foul play expected, but there's all these weird little tiny details that make people go, well, this just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot to this story. There's um, there's just so much unknown, and honestly, unless there's a deathbed confession within the next, you know, 60 years or so, we're never going to know yeah, what happened. And, I, and I think at this point, I mean, a 25-minute segment is not going to, is not going to. No, of course not. I mean, there's no way we're going to settle this. this. I think, I think it's just better off that we say, I don't believe that it was rape and murder. I think there's something, something here. Maybe, maybe it was, uh, someone played a prank on her. They knew she was vulnerable. Um, and it was accidental, and then they freaked out because they couldn't get the door open or something. I, I don't know. Um, or, or Maynard's got a theory, guys. So let's see what Maynard thinks. You guys ever heard of a movie called Dark Water? Heard it, never seen it. Oh no. Just, just hear me out. I'm, I'm all open to this because so anything's possible. There, there, there is a movie called Dark Water. Came out in 2005. So this is well before any of this happened. Let me just give you a little bit of the synopsis of this movie. Main character's name is Dahlia. Might sound familiar. Like like the black Dahlia? Her name is Dahlia. She is spelled the Are you sure it's yes. Dahlia and not Delilah? I know how you are with names. No, it's Dahlia. Got uh, it. I'm, I'm, I'm positive on this one. Uh, played by... Uh, we got to get some new uh, mic stands here. We're so. working on it. We're working on it. As soon as the <laughs> Patreon money comes through. Uh, Dahlia was played by uh, Jennifer Conley, who you might know from Labyrinth and the uh, Ass to Ass scene in uh, Re- Requiem for a Dream. Which I believe we covered in one of the segments. Yeah, I think we did. Um, wait, we did? It's weird how things come full circle. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, I don't remember talking about that. Um, and uh, her daughter's name is uh, Cecilia or Ceci. That's right. Like, like, like Cecil, right? Yeah, Cecil, which is... The, the, the male version of of yeah hotel so this so in the movie they move to this kind of uh condominium in New York you know okay. like a high rise type thing and soon after moving in Dahlia is having all sorts of headaches and weird things happening to her and 
she's seeing black water all like dark water coming through all the faucets the ceilings are leaking there's just water all hence the, the name place. of the movie dark water. yes right yes. okay like she's doing laundry in one scene and the all the laundry all the laundry water turns black does and it die the clothes black? That would suck. You know, like your clothes. Well, no, that's turn the thing. Pink? You can't. You can't really tell if she's actually seeing this or if it's happening. But you know, an unnamed member of our family thought that if you put um, blue laundry detergent in on top of your laundry, it would dye your clothes blue. I'll get with you offline to let you know which one. All that's right. that's phenomenal. I can't wait. Tweet tweet about that. So she's. The but the uh, the the apartment really is leaking and there's what like nasty dark water so like is it, all over the place. So is it black water or is it not? Can can no, she okay? Is. So she can it actually is. physically see it. Yes. But yes. As the viewer, do you know? I'm now I'm, yes. I'm thrilled. No, it is. It's actual water, and it turns out it's a lot of it's coming from the apartment that's above her. Okay. Where this weird Russian family lived, and it's always the Russians. The, these kids used to go. These kids would go up there, teenagers, and turn the water turn the water on. We were washing potatoes. The, uh, yeah, and it would leak down into the, into the apartment below and all this stuff. So, so they had the black water. Yes, but the water was black coming out of the faucet too. Oh, okay. So, all right. So yeah, so, um, Steve Brule tries to help her out because he's uh, like the maintenance guy. You mean well, not you, the maintenance John, guy? John John C. Riley is that who we're talking about? Yeah, but he actually was acting like Steve Brule because he was really dumb. So this might have been like a precursor to his character. Okay. Like he was like the the manager of the whole place, and he was trying to get the plumber there the whole time. It was this really weird maintenance guy. Okay. Um. So, meanwhile, Cecilia has kind of developed this imaginary friend. How old is Cecilia? Cecilia's only like six or seven. All right. I mean, so she's in, it's, uh, it's passes the smell test. It sounds legit. It does until the imaginary friend starts making her do things in class and draw all these weird pictures and it's more like kind of a... Is this like the leprechauns make me burn things? or No, this was like, like stop it, stop making me do this. I'm just going to say another member of our family. Um, is this the same member of our family? This that... is a different member of the family. Okay. Different member all of the right. family who um, smashed a window in our home and then blamed it on her... Um, nope, I gave part of it away. On her um, imaginary friend's... What was it, Bobo and Dodo? Yep, Bobo, Bobo, and, Bobo Dodo. and Dodo. All right, so there's there's precedence. Solid, <laughs> still got legs. Solid, Story still yeah. got fucking legs. So this little girl keeps seeing her imaginary friend, who actually has a physical form and is a little girl in a raincoat, and she had a she had a backpack. That the girl ended up. There was a little girl who lived upstairs. The Russian, and, and, the Russian family. Yes, got yes, it. and nobody ever saw her again. Like they thought the Russian, you know, the family just disappeared and left the pla- left the place. And that's why Maybe the Russians teenagers. ate her. Yeah, it's not that's why they kept going into in the Russia. house. But eventually, the, all this strange stuff starts happening to both of them, and you know, like kind of ghostly type stuff. And somehow they all end up on the roof of the building, where they find the little girl floating face up in the water tank. No fucking way. Like this, this is a movie that came out in 2005. So I mean it's it's come out what uh, almost a decade before the Alyssa yeah. Lamb story. Well, like 8 years, yeah. So Holy they right shit. was that wait, Alyssa Lamb was that 2013? Yeah. This was a while ago. I'm having a hard time remembering when Yeah, so it's 8 years. So the maintenance guy earlier in the in the in the film had had a backpack 
that was that oh, little girl that he tried shit. that he tried to give to um, the little girl, and they didn't want it, and you know didn't know what it was about. And Are then, you going to spoil the movie for everybody who's? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, well, but, it came out in two thousand six. I guess we ruined yeah. seven. We can handle this one. Yeah. So eventually, they they find the backpack like in the basement, which when you Again, said that earlier, backpack and. Stuff in the basement of this building. Like, and this guy was hi- this guy was hiding the, the backpack. This guy was the hiding the building. He ended up hiding the backpack because people were. Kind and this of, is the weird maintenance guy, not Steve Brule. Right. No, Steve okay. Brule was just the property manager, Got it. and you know he's kind of a minor character. Eli Roth was kicking around there at some point too. I don't know what he was doing, but um. Directing the movie probably. No, he this was not a directed Eli Roth. Oh okay. Yeah, you know the dude from uh, like uh, Reservoir Dogs and Co. Yeah, no, yeah, Eli Roth. Tim Roth, Tim Roth, not Eli Roth. No, it's it. No, it's his brother. Um, anyway, oh boy, wait, wait, wait. You know wait, what? Wait. Let him let him finish because we're going way over time. Yeah, we're way over time. Um, so the and so you have all that with all the all these similarities. The kicker is a couple different points in the movie. The little girl, who the alive little girl, not the the ghost girl, she keeps having these scenes getting in and out of the elevator and the elevator like taking her up and the elevator's malfunctioning and the she's talking to somebody in the elevator like it's very remarkably similar to the Elisa Lamb video on the elevator. And again, Jesus this came out like Christ. knowing this story, like I watched this movie pretty much before maybe a week before when we knew we were gonna do this and I had already seen the video and watching the movie I'm like this is this I the the similarities are just Stark. This yeah. might be the so first time that you've creeped me out for a legitimate reason, Maynard. Well, you know, when so, I have a goal of, you know, you know, I set my mind to things about being creepy, you know. Owning the porn shit. store and then this. I mean, so so the theory is is that they use dark water to I think somebody emulate. needs to fucking question Tim and Eli Roth. <laughs> are they, wait, can we figure out, are they brothers? They are not brothers. All right. Any Eli relation, Roth maybe? is American. Oh. And Tim Roth is English. So unless this is a fucking parent have, trap we have, situation. Oh, we have right. ancestors in, in... With Haley Mills? We have ancestors in like Sweden and Norway that we've never met. Yes, yes, but none of them are birth relation. We don't share parents. True. All right, so I just want to... Anyway, to, so do you wow, think... Wow, that, that is fucked up. I'm trying to figure out. Do you think that someone turned the movie Dark Water into a real life thing? Is this, that's what you're saying? I, I, I'm not... I'm not I'm not saying anything, but it's just insane how very similar those two, those I mean, two it's, things are. What if the fucking guy who committed the murder with Alyssa Lamb got into a fucking time machine and then went back and made a movie about it? He could have. I'm going on Reddit right fucking now. But just that, like the, the names, the you know... S- Dahlia. In all Dahlia. seriousness, that is pretty fucking nuts. It's, it's Holy weird. shit. It's really, really weird. So, so yeah, so that's... um. And that could be that. It literally could be that. Could be a serial. Wow. Can we look maybe in the L.A. area and see if there's any other movies that become real life murders? Maybe there's a serial killer who <laughs> is like tributing movies, like bad yeah. movies. Oh my god! All, All right. Uh, anybody got any last thoughts on this fucking terribly depressing and sad story about let's, this poor woman? Let's end it. Yes. Because uh, I'm sad, it, and we're at like an hour and a half. I think. Yeah. Total. This poor young woman. All right. Um, so we didn't really solve anything. Our theories, I mean. We're not going to solve anything next yeah. episode either. Well, that's okay, though, because next episode is going to be fun. by the way. Get ready for meet showers. We'll cover it later. All right. Uh, I got nothing. You got nothing. We all got nothing. Thank you for listening to the show. Please follow branded underscore sports. 
and uh, and uh, follow us. And uh, have a great night. Sorry we depressed the fuck out of you. <laughs>